Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. Today I am honoured to have Leah Davies on the Dream for Others podcast. Leah is a writer, human rights activist and social researcher who is driven to strengthen human connection through our stories. Her communication consultancy and storytelling platform, Freethinker Co., is a place to celebrate our difference and to unite in our sameness. Using her experience as a journalist and international development worker, she supports the socially conscious to platform their voice and create positive, equitable and sustainable change. As you can probably guess after hearing me share her bio just now, Leah is someone who I just can't wait to talk to about dreaming for others and I'm blessed to have an opportunity to hit record and to share this with you too. Hi Leah, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with me on the Dream for Others podcast. Thank you Naomi, it's such a pleasure to be here. It means a lot, especially since I know you're not long returned home (laughs) to make time still to chat with me. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's perfect timing. Oh, good. Good, just in that transition period. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a good place to be, though. I'm, I'm not going to rush the process, that's for sure. Yeah, good, 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 good. Well, before we jump in, for those who are listening and they don't know what you do, can you just give us a little bit of uh, background into your story and how you came to be doing what you're doing and why you're so passionate about making a difference in the world? Absolutely. So um, I'm the director and founder of Freethinker Co., uh, a newly rebrand business of mine, previously known as Paper Planes Connect. And Freethinker Co. is a communication consultancy as well as a storytelling platform. And basically my aim through Freethinker Co. is to merge the worlds of storytelling and advocacy. And I'm doing that with the help of an international team of storytellers from communities all around the world, from as far away as Kabul in Afghanistan um, to Cambodia to Germany, to Italy, uh, to Indonesia, and here in Australia and New Zealand. And through the help of that team who are on the ground collecting stories from their communities and sharing them with the world, uh, my aim is to ultimately revolutionise conventional journalism. (laughs) Big aim, Um, I know, but... It's just something that I've been very passionate about for a very long time as a journalist myself and then making the transition from a journal working for a a newspaper into the international development sector and working as a communications expert for international NGOs and charities as well as national ones and using 
my experience in um, journalism and in the NGO sector, I'm essentially trying to help these young writers that are a part of my team, but then beyond the writers on the team, people who are reading the stories, to connect, to engage, um, to learn something new and a new form of education and to feel empowered through writing stories that elevate a message that, that means something mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I said, grand vision but little baby steps and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, to help build awareness around telling stories that can make a difference. That's, I suppose, my my zone of genius, my my purpose, and it's it's been a long, long journey. You're um, coming back to your question, asking me, you know, sort of, you know, how I became so passionate about this. I think, to be honest, I think it really started, you know, as a as a young child um, traveling the world with my parents. I come from a, a small family, just me, and my sister, and my mum, and my dad, and both parents are teachers and. For as long as I can remember, um, I've we've always travelled. Every single holiday opportunity, um, we've hopped on a plane and gone somewhere or somewhere foreign. And that, to me, reflecting now as an adult, um, and especially you know at an age where I'm thinking about raising a family myself, looking back on that, that's really shaped my journey, my path in life, and the choices that I've made because. They prioritise travel as a form of education, as the most important form of education. That's teachers speaking and I agree. (laughs) I agree and it's opened my eyes up to so many different worlds and places and cultures and people. Um, But I say different but ultimately what it's taught me is that (laughs) we're not different at all. We're all one and the same. Mm -hmm. And through storytelling, that's what I want to show. I want to show that... We're all connected as humans, no matter how different we look on the outside. We're all here on the same planet for the same reasons and same purposes and to amplify that. And you have passionately said, or I've read anyway in a number of places, <laughs> that you, you think stories can change the world and I can, I can hear that being running through when you're talking as well. So how, how do you think they can for the cynics out there? How do you, how do you think stories can can change the world and make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a tricky one. It's one that I've sat down with numerous times and brainstormed and scribbled and and tried to really articulate, you know, what that rhetoric means because we've heard so many people say that, that, you know, words change the world. Um, In my opinion, there's multiple ways that they can do that. And ultimately... It comes back to sort of five key elements. And the first key element is as a writer, as a storyteller, it comes back to being real. It means being authentic through the stories that you share. And in order to be real, it's a matter of identifying what your values are. And I like to call this in the world of writing your voice values. And that's that takes a bit of reflection. That takes a little bit of um, introspection of sitting down and really looking over the type of words that you do write and 
recognizing if there's common themes and a little of the time those those values they can be one word if you're a fan of Danielle Laporte you know it can be a core desired feeling perhaps maybe you resonate with with that more than a voice value but it could be you know openness it could be education it could be advocacy you know it, it could be a running theme that comes through your writing and it's connecting with that as an ethical barometer for how you show up and you write your story. So that's a really good place to start, being real, being authentic, connecting with your voice values. Second to that, um, words changing the world, I like to call them the three E's. So I like to suggest that conscious storytelling, as I coin it, um, you know, a way of writing to make a difference through storytelling, um, you want to engage your reader first and foremost. You want to really connect with them. And that might mean, you know, being funny, being entertaining, or it might be, you know, maybe it's a matter of placing first and foremost in your story facts and figures that might shock, you know, that makes the person read that sentence two or three times to actually go, is that, is that right? Does, is that really happening there? Or have I misread that? You really want to think about how you can capture and connect with your reader in the first place. Secondly, beyond engaging, you want to educate. You want them to finish reading the story you've presented, um, feeling like they've learned something. They're, they're going to go away with new information, new knowledge, even new skills to inform and integrate into their life. And thirdly, you want to empower the reader. You want them to walk away feeling uplifted and potentially, um, you know, feeling like they can share that information, share that new knowledge or skills with others um, and then infuse it into their day-to-day -day lives so that they can do something meaningful. Um, and then beyond, you know, educating, engaging, empowering It'd be fantastic if the story, the conversation that's taking place on the page can actually happen off the page. Mm -hmm. That, you know, if you get to that point that you inspire your reader, that they actually sit down with a girlfriend over coffee and bring up the particular story issue topic you've discussed, wow, you know, that's making a difference. Mm -hmm. Like it's transferring from one person to the next. Yeah. And, you know, in this online realm, that's not just one person. You, you, you're reaching out to maybe a handful, maybe hundreds, maybe millions. And those conversations can possibly happen in community spaces in different parts of the world. So the fourth point um, comes back to being specific, being specific and asking readers to take action, which what I, what I have found from my experience of coaching different writers is a very difficult ask sometimes I think a lot of people don't feel comfortable to ask their their readers their audience to actually do something but in my opinion if storytelling and our words are going to change the world it's got to start from a place of you know asking someone giving an invitation for someone to to take action and I think the real key here is being specific, being specific about the action you want them to take. You know, less fluff, more mm. transparency. <laughs> you know, it, it, that could be as simple as asking someone to share the story of a friend who needs to hear it most or 
you know, asking them to take action by signing this petition, you know, attend this event and stand up for what you believe in. You know, it's it's really crafting those one-liners which actually tell the reader what you want them to do with the information that they've just learnt and took on. And the fifth and final point is reminding the reader of the big picture. So reminding your reader that we're all equally part of this and you know your words can be that reminder because it's so easy to forget that on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and that's how words can really change the world if, if if your words can remind your reader that they're a part of a community whether that's local or global you, you're really you know you're hitting the mark it sounds like the story is acting as a, a platform that we can then that we can then act on from there yeah yeah, yeah absolutely They've, you know it's Stories can facilitate the advocacy, mm. the, the action, in my opinion. <laughs> mm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so with the Freethinker Co., I'm assuming that's part of what the pillars are underneath, is that you're using it as a platform to do exactly what you've just shared, those, those points that you've just shared, and, and that yourself and the people that you have working for you that will be writing these stories will basically that's what they have in mind you're you're using it as that platform to instigate change and I'm I'm curious when people arrive at Freethinkers Co is that what they're going to find are they going to find these really passionate beautiful um, action based specific articles are there other things that they'll find there and and how can they how can the listeners kind of get into the movement that you're that you're creating yeah, beautiful question. And yes, those five points for writing to make a difference definitely are core foundational elements. And, you know, many of the stories will be action-based, but in the same breath, you know, thinking about what a free thinker is and, you know, the audience are free thinkers. They're the type of people that are drawn to Free Thinker Co. They're people that think outside the box that are eager to learn and grow, they're, they're people that um, see the big picture ultimately or want to see the big picture. And so are the writers, so are the team of international writers. They're, they're people that align with the values of, of being a free thinker. And taking that in consideration, not all stories will be completely action-based. Some of them will be, you know, up to the writer's interpretation. Some people might find that their way of making a difference and communicating their message is best um, presented maybe in the form of a poem. Maybe someone else will, you know, want to have a, an interview where it's question, answer, question, answer sort of format and it's left open-ended for for the reader to sort of just take on that information um, so it's going to be a real balance, I suppose, of stories, action-based and, and some that will be a little bit open-ended for, for the reader's interpretation. So when it comes to, I suppose, giving you a little bit more information about Freethinker Co., so in one stance it is a communication consultancy. It is a business. Um, there's three service arms and the three service arms include consultancy around communication matters. So helping business owners, owners um, social enterprises, NGOs, you name it, artists, helping them to create 
communication strategies for their their businesses or their brands or their organizations or maybe it's a matter of being that that person that can help them find that point of difference and really chatting out and brainstorming you know maybe some of the blocks they've been coming up against or maybe just being someone to help them forecast where they want to go in the future the second service is writing and editing so copywriting copy editing service which once again I'm collaborating and working with other businesses organizations and initiatives that are all working to make a difference in their own field and sector whether that be health and well-being whether that be um, in the human rights world or maybe it's um, to do with you know art and self-expression um, it's very varied but ultimately all my clients are working to leave an imprint um, and share a positive message and the third service um, is my mentorship program which I referred to earlier so it's a six-week writing mentorship program where I work one-to-one -one with someone who wants to um, better familiarize with their voice and feel more confident in sharing their key message with the world um, and yeah outside of being the consultancy then there's this storytelling platform where people and can just come and be inspired and learn something new and hopefully walk away feeling empowered by the different stories they're reading from people all around the world in small and big communities and I love that you've gone through that because you have, without even realising it, probably set up the next question for <laughs> that I have. Yeah, this is a question that I get asked a lot. So I would love to see what your thoughts are on it. And basically, it is in my work as a business coach, I obviously work with a lot of business owners and a lot of coaches as well, and even some copywriters. And they are really passionate about making a difference out there in the world but they also have a business to run and they also have to make money and feed themselves and their own families and they feel this tension between I guess writing stories that will benefit the world or progress social good and promoting their services they start to feel kind of icky about promoting the ways that they make money on their platform as opposed to their, their good deeds side of their, of their platform. So I'm curious, have you encountered this yourself in, in yourself or in your, your clients and the people you work with? And what would you say to those who, who raise this, this tension? Mm, that's such a good question. And yes, I've been there. I've been there many a time. Um, and so have many of my clients and it's an ongoing conversation. Um, well, for me, it comes up sort of at two tiers because I run Freethinker Co. I'm a human rights activist. I've come from the NGO world. Um, but then I'm offering these services and, yes, I've got bills to pay and dreams to meet and, you know, it, life in order to live the life that I need to live, I need to make money. And there is that tension that comes up between wanting to contribute and make a, a difference in the world and then having to actually meet my own personal needs. And I have found this exact same tension reflected in my other line of work. So I'm also a, a yoga teacher and 
again, for me, yoga is an offering. It's something I'm giving to my students in my class, something I find that's very special. And I have found over time, you know, promoting and marketing and trying to find a, a price that would reflect what I'm giving, but then also, you know, be comfortable for them to come to, you know, to pay for that for my my time and energy is something I've, I've struggled with as well as a yoga teacher. And it's an ongoing relationship, I must admit. I wouldn't say that I have the answers. And I think sometimes I'm I'm in the space where I'm feeling comfortable and then other times I'm just not feeling comfortable about it. <laughs> and I think my biggest um, takeaway, I suppose, what I've learned, and it was passed on to me by my yoga mentor, was that what you are giving, you know, is your time, is your energy, is your expertise, and it's an exchange, you know, in exchange, you know, you give that to your students, to your clients, and in exchange, they give you the money, and by by not honouring that um, and not valuing yourself, that's what it really comes back to for me is self-worth and self-value and it's coming back and going, well, I actually have something valuable to say, something valuable to give and this exchange of money in this world, that's 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 what it looks like physically, mm-hmm. you know, these paper notes that we hold in our hand, <laughs> it's it, it, honouring going, you know, this is um, a way of valuing my time and energy and what I'm giving to this person. So, yeah, I need to um, promote that and market that and but do it in a way that feels authentic and real and without the icky, slimy, commercial, you know, sensation that seems to be triggered for some reason, especially when we're in this line of, of doing, you know, social good for the world. Um, and I, I think that's um, something to be explored in your journals. Um, for me, that, that's a really good place to start, just, you know, posing the question, why does this feel uncomfortable? And just free write, you know, let it stream out and see if there's something else below that. And if it is coming down to something around, you know, value and self-worth and that's something to explore. Well, it was in my case, that's for sure. And the only way to actually help and, and and contribute to social good for the rest of the world, you have to take care of yourself and your life. And the more you, you know, when you can do that by replenishing yourself and supporting the life that you want to live, the more you can give back. So, you know, it's, it's understanding that, that it's, it's, it's all part of the big picture. Yes. I, I love that you've shared that and the idea to, uh, journal on it because I I suspect that it's different for everybody where that is yeah. coming from and and if you're consciously aware of that tension and you want to do something about it because we seem to know we seem to know logically that we need to sell our services in order to make money and feed ourselves and to even support the social good causes or, or dreams or pursuits that we have but then there's our heart or something something that's holding us back from doing it yeah. holding them back from doing it so if you can explore that and find a way to get out of that black and white thinking I guess of selling is bad and and giving is good 
and find a balance that works for you, whether that be having like a give back policy or having other conscious ways of balancing out to make you feel better about selling in a heartfelt way. Absolutely. Yeah, you can do those things. So I I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on another block that I've heard many people experience in the world of writing about (laughs) social good causes. So one of the ones that I've heard a lot of people say is around I guess fear, fear of speaking up about causes or issues that might be seen as controversial or political or if they feel like they maybe don't know enough about a cause Mm. to cover all of the arguments or criticism they might get back if they were to write about it, even if they're passionate about it. We're always told or we were told, hopefully we're beginning to shake that up now, not to mix business and politics and and things like that. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that, what you would say to someone who's who's scared, who really is passionate about these issues but is scared to write and tell stories and ask people to act on them in their writing. Oh, yeah, brilliant question again. Um, what I would say is that if you're passionate about something, if you deeply believe in something and care about something, to not write about it, to not speak up about it, to not start conversations about it, I'd ask, you know, your listeners, how does it make them feel? And, you know, if if they can say they feel content and that's okay, then, you know, <laughs> I, I very much doubt that that would be the case. I, I If you're passionate about something, by definition, it's it's something that's imprinted on your cells and to not write about it, speak about it, is going to leave you feeling a little bit empty and make you feel like you're you're not expressing yourself to your potential and therefore not having you know the potential impact that you could have on others by starting those conversations so i in the first instance it's it's checking in with that and checking in with how much you actually do care about it because if you do care about something you kind of have an obligation to speak up about it, in my opinion. And that's maybe a big statement to say. And I know that a lot of issues are controversial and they're political and you might not feel like you have all the tools and the right research and the current, you know, facts and figures to back that. But it doesn't mean you can't start just bringing it up with what you do know, with what you feel comfortable to talk about. Um, And then exploring it deeper, you know, imploring to to understand it more, um, reading more books and, and exploring the internet and, and just speaking to others who maybe know a little bit more. I agree. I think hopefully by now in 2016 that that line between business and, and politics is starting to blur because, you know, as business owners and there's so many of us out there and there's so many people that are, you know, doing independent work we're we're in a really powerful position to to start to merge those lines and and create businesses that can give back and giving back isn't so so easy sometimes it, it's going to spark you know conversations maybe you don't want to have with people who maybe don't agree with what you're passionate about and what you care about um, and it's about being respectful, understanding that not everyone will believe in what you believe in and have the same passions. And it's yeah, being being respectful of different opinions, but 
don't let that shy away from, you know, you expressing what you really deeply care about. Mm. Um, you know, baby steps, no need to launch, <laughs> you know, launch in and start a rally. Um, but, <laughs> but even if it's just a matter in this, you know, using your Instagram handle or your Facebook just to share some some other interesting stories that are published on it, you know, maybe starting there before you actually write your own. And then once you, you know, build a little bit more confidence, maybe it's about, okay, well, I'm going to ex- explore this issue with what I do know. Maybe it's a matter of interviewing someone who is an expert on it and featuring that expert on your website if you have one or, again, any social media channel for that matter. Um, it, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think to ignore it is a bigger injustice in my opinion. Mm. And I find that it, in my own experience anyway, it, it begins to nag at you yeah. <laughs> if you keep oh, yeah. ignoring it. So I know when I first started my business, I was doing life and wellness coaching and it was I know, the, the, the big issues that I cared about and injustices as a person who was interested in human rights, I didn't think were relevant to what I was writing about. But I just kept having this little call in the back of my heart that just kept saying, uh-uh, you're not going to ignore me. Absolutely. <laughs> and I just got louder and louder. And when you finally give yourself permission to hear it and to do something about it, even if it is a little bit scary, it then forces you to be held accountable to learning more about it and supporting those who speak up about these things. Because if you're going to make a decision to be a voice in these areas and you're scared of saying or doing the wrong thing, you're kind of forced to research it more and get more involved in it. And that's a wonderful thing too. So it might be a bit scary, but it's also really exciting and and mind and heart expanding at the same time, hey? Oh, I totally agree. And, you know, that's just the start of the journey. Once you become, you know, kind of get the a bit of the confidence just to start there and do the research and start to share a little bit, you know, you start to realise, wait a minute, I really care about this as well and, you know, start going down that path and, wait, I care about this as well. And Okay, so the next question that I wanted to ask you starts to go off writing a little bit because I know that that's not all that you're involved in and you've only just come back from Nepal and and you've been filming around things that mean a lot to you there so can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing in in Nepal and how we can support that and get involved? Absolutely yes I've been back from Nepal now just under two weeks and I was there as part of a, a film crew, actually. It's something that's been in the works for just over two years. And it's a collaboration of sorts where Freethinker Co., my business, is working with an independent filmmaker who had this incredible idea to go to eastern Nepal to a region called the Mahakalung and endeavour to explore the lives of the Kulung people. Now, the Kulung are an Indigenous ethnic group who have been in Nepal for centuries upon centuries. They've migrated over from Tibet and from Burma and, and Bhutan and and have lived in the Maha Kulung since their very first ancestors. And our film is called Carrying Everest and it's a documentary which is painting a portrait of the Kulung people who essentially are the backbone of the Everest tourist industry, the trekking industry there. 
they're mostly mostly work on farms, so they're mostly working in agriculture, but two, three times a year they they follow the trail, they follow the tourists and they make the trek to Everest Base Camp and often further, working as porters a lot of the time or working in the tea houses along the way, which are, are guest houses, um, you know, cooking and providing food, providing shelter, or maybe they're owning small little shops, small little vendors along the side of the road. It's men, women and children and they they go there two, three times a year to, to make enough money so that they can pay for, for school and so that they can support their large families and live the lives that they do in the Mahakalung. And so my role over there was, you know, essentially essentially doing what I do, I, you know, journalism, social research. Um, I wasn't writing as such on the ground, but there's a lot of writing to come. Um, but I was on the ground interviewing. So I was working with an incredible man by the name of Chulu Cha, who is a Kulung man who was our, our guide. And he's not only a guide, he was our translator. And on top of that, he, you know, he's an anthropologist. He's just finished his master's. One of the very few Kulung people that have a master's degree. And he and I would work together and talk about the stories, the topics, who we needed to speak to, what we needed to explore and uncover. And as a team, we we trekked, you know, for 32 days and made our way into small villages around the Maha Kulung and then following our way up to Everest Base Camp, talking to Kulung communities, supporting the industry. And it was seriously unbelievable. You know, I keep telling friends and family that, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate to do a lot of travelling, but I think, you know, this trip perhaps has been the most immersive and, you know, the most soul-moving. Um, and I'm, I'm still taking it all in, to be honest. I'm still digesting um, and integrating the lessons and, and what I learned from the Kulung people and what I learned mostly from them is that, you know, their life's hard. It's really hard. and But at the same time, like in, in most of my interviews too, you know, they would, they would talk about the challenges that they face. They would talk about, you know, worrying about their children having to, to work as a porter and that that was the last thing that they wanted. They want, wanted their child to, to become a teacher, you know, or to, to get a job with the government, to have something that they weren't carrying up to 90 kilograms for, for pittance. But then in the same breath, you know, you ask them, are you happy? And their whole face lights up <laughs> and there's laughs and there's giggles and, you know, they'll admit life's hard. Yeah, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. And they are. The Mahakalung is, you know, three days walk, four days walk on foot. There's no transport. There's no roads. Everything is carried on your back to get in and get out. Um, there's no hospitals. And, you know, school, you know, there's a school that has up to grade 10, but beyond that you've, you've got to walk two, three days to get to a high school and if you've got to go to university, yeah, you ultimately have to move out of the region and move to Kathmandu. Um, but they're happy. <laughs> they're happy and they love their community and there's this sense of connection. Um, like, like, Nothing I've really experienced, and 
I suppose that I, I had the privilege of experiencing that because we were staying with families, you know, we were sleeping in their homes. We were staying in the tea houses run by Kulung families and friends of friends and friends of friends. And we really, you know, there's, there's not many opportunities where you get to step out of the shoes of a, a tourist or a traveller and kind of, you know, step on the inside a little bit. And it was, it was such an absolute privilege and I really think that, you know, the Maha Kulung and the Kulung people are going to be a big part of my life for a very long time. And well, to give you a little bit more context about the actual film and, you know, what we're doing and what the aim is, um, the film itself is, is, is basically telling the story of the Kulung, but ultimately what the Kulung, what, what we discovered um, through, our, through our consultation and through our interviews, they want to be put on the map and they're currently not on the map. Not many people know about the Kulun at all, let alone, you know, in Nepal, let alone around the world. And the Kulun are an Indigenous group, yet they're not acknowledged. There's 59 Indigenous groups that are officially acknowledged by the government of Nepal, and there's, you know, 80,000 other Indigenous people that aren't. <laughs> and they're among those people. And they hopefully, by creating this documentary, it, starts a conversation. It starts a conversation around Indigenous rights um, and maybe, you know, it starts getting the people that, that can make those changes um, talking about it, thinking about it. And secondly, and this is a bit of a, a tricky one for an outsider, for a traveller, they they want more tourism, they want more development in their region. And that's that's a little bit tricky for for someone who's like, my God, but this is so beautiful and it's so pure and so uncorrupted. <laughs> I just wanted to stay like this forever. But you know, for them, they, they there's not much choice apart from you know working hard yards on the farm and then trekking up to base camp and elsewhere. And I don't think tourism, you know, and if it's done mindfully, if it's done sustainably with intentional investment, you know, tourism, again, like business and politics, tourism can be done for good. Like they don't have the big snowy peaks that so many other places have. So you're not going to attract necessarily the tourists that are wanting to, you know, summit mountains. You're going to be attracting people that want to connect with community, that want to stay in guest houses and and learn about the Kulung and, you know, you'd be surrounded by this lush green valley and this beautiful river in the Hungu Valley and, you know, waterfalls as far as you can see. It's it's a different experience and, you know, yeah, we're hoping we're hoping that we can help them, you know, through this film. And how can how can we, those listening, mm-hmm. how can we support the documentary and the Kulung people? Absolutely. We have a website, www.carryingeverest.com, um, and, you know, we're always accepting donations. We're, we're building collaborations and connections with local NGOs and, you know, working out ways to to give money back to the local schools. Um, so we're, we're raising funds there, but we're also finding, and what I've learned once again from being over there just recently, just how important community is. And, you know, our type of community might look very different to what their community is like, but in in our world, you know, the online community is a, is a powerful place. Mm-hmm. And the way that people can make a simple difference is, is joining our online community, joining our Facebook page and joining our Instagram, 
for sharing it with others. Um, that would that would mean the world to the Kulung. I think sometimes we forget how small things like that can make such a difference just by by sharing and and speaking up and supporting causes and documentaries like these. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, it's been a big reminder for me. It's you know those simple actions actually mean a lot. So while we're talking about causes that mean a lot to you. <laughs> Mm. Um, what are some other ones what are some other issues that fire you up as a as an activist that that you that you are really passionate about Mm. I've always been very passionate about refugees asylum seekers internally displaced people people that have been forced to leave their home not by choice of their own but by the situation um, by war by famine you know, by situations that threaten their safety. And it's something that's hugely controversial and it always has been, but I think it's getting, if possible, it's even more controversial now. And during my studies, you know, I I took every elective I could to sort of learn more and try and understand it more. And it is something that presses my buttons and it definitely fires me up. And, but I've learned over time you know, sometimes, you know, having that explosion and that disagreement and just, you know, sort of banging your head against the wall, like, why don't people get this? Why, why don't I understand it? It's, it sometimes isn't the best way to approach things. Um, and more and more through the work that I do through communication and storytelling and that advocacy side of things, it's about making people realise that that refugee, that person, that that asylum seeker that's been forced to leave their home and and find somewhere else to to start a new life mm-hmm. is an actual human being, mm-hmm. <laughs> first and foremost. Because I think a lot of people forget that and you know, cast judgment and don't understand, you know, you know why, you know, they're taking our jobs or why they're, you know. In this community, they don't belong here. There's so many different, um, yeah, judgments and assumptions are made. But once you start to realise that this person's a, an actual human being and they have every right to live a happy, fulfilled, safe life just like you, um, you know, the cogs start to turn and people all of a sudden can start to connect and relate. Um, and from my experience too, and you know, I have lots of friends that are refugees and asylum seekers, and so to me it's very personal. But if you don't have those connections or those relationships, it can seem like something that has nothing to do with you and why should you care? And for me it's bridging that gap. Stories can do that in a really powerful way. If you can tell a story in a way that a reader sitting here in Australia or elsewhere in the world can relate to the story of a man or a woman from, you know, whether it be Democratic Republic of Congo or, you know, whether that be um, Nicaragua. Um, it doesn't matter where they are from the world. If you can connect with that person and realise that they're just another human just like you who want the same things as you, you know, you start to care. Yeah. It puts the human face back, back oh, to absolutely. something that's been politicized and dehumanized in a big way absolutely absolutely and yeah time and time again that's 
I keep circling back to that. Tell the human story. Tell the real story. Mm. Mm. And support those who who are, I guess, as well. If you can't tell the story or you don't have a platform, you can mm. oh, you gosh. can yeah become more informed and share and support those who are and speak gosh, up yeah. about it in your own homes and communities. Absolutely, and and that's and that's ultimately where it comes back to again. I know I keep coming back to having a conversation, but you know if if storytelling is the medium I'm talking about, then you know let the story happen off the page as well. Have conversations just amongst your family, you know, your friends, and then maybe you know maybe that starts to evolve into something a little bigger. Maybe it's amongst the community then, and you never know. You know, <laughs> you start to people listen ears prick up and maybe you're starting to talk to someone who's quite influential or maybe you know you decide to be that person that can be quite influential yes many doors start to open don't they when you go down that track (laughs) absolutely yes now I I know that you have a give back policy in your business and I would love if you don't mind just to share a little bit about that and whether it overlaps with you know, supporting refugees and some of the other things that we've been talking about today? Yeah, sure thing. That's no problem at all. Um, so I do um, Freethinker Co, which is which I'm really excited about. This is <laughs> this is kind of the transition from my previous business name and brand paper paper planes connect and making that trans- transition into Freethinker Co was to be able to give back. And for me, giving back is supporting a program and it goes by the names of Sahar Speaks. And Sahar Speaks is a news entrepreneurial program and it's run by an American-British foreign um, correspondent who has worked for many years in Kabul in Afghanistan and she recognised that there was no female Afghanistan journalist in any international media outlet. There was only foreign correspondents and, you know, Afghani men. And she really could not understand. And she was in a position where um, she was hiring people for new roles and women would come in. But internally, it was frowned upon. It wasn't going to be given to a female Afghani journo. And, she, you know, this is one of the issues that really riled her up. And she decided to start this program to help empower and support um, Afghani female journos to get a foot in into international media outlets. And I got involved as a mentor and I got partnered up with a, a beautiful young girl by the name of Shagofa, who's a fantastic writer. And I supported her to write a story. And as part of the program, they had a pilot program and collaborated with Huffington Post, actually. And all 12 young female Afghani journos had their stories published on, a, on Huffington Post. So this is the first time in history, 2016, <laughs> that these, yeah, they're representing a huge half the population of Afghanistan. They're getting their stories published about women's issues in Huffington Post. And to me, that was like massive landmark. What an achievement. And 5% of 
all um, the work that I do through my services, whether that be consulting through copywriting and editing or my mentorship program, 5% of everyone's package goes directly back into this program to help Amy, the founder, um, to help expand this program because I just think it's so powerful and it can make such a difference. And, you know, hopefully that appeals to people that decide to work and collaborate with me through Co by knowing that they're helping themselves and helping improve their communication and the way that they write and share their message, they're actually helping, you know, an Afghan female journal on the other side of the world get heard. Mm, that's amazing. That that feels nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have it? Like I know as my myself when I've been creating my give back policy and as it's grown and evolved over time with me that it is something that you have to consciously focus on and because there's so many causes out there and if you're like me and you're passionate about so many it can sometimes be hard to choose one or or to be focused I guess and where you're going to give back did you experience that did or when you were doing yours yeah (laughs) absolutely so I for a while was playing with like I was thinking, well, maybe each year I could have three or four different causes and then I could ask the client which one they wanted to choose to support. And, Mm. you know, because I found it very difficult because, yeah, I'm a multi-passionate person, believes in many things and wants to help in many ways. But once I got involved in Sahar Speaks and was personally, you know, aiding and supporting Shagofa as a mentor, it only made sense that because my niche is communication, I it made sense to then give back to other people who want to communicate and have their voices heard and that to me seemed like a a very strong relationship between my give back policy and the services that I was offering Mm -hmm. and that to me yeah it just made sense ultimately and it it did it felt good in my body and I was like you know what don't overcomplicate things (laughs) um you know, giving back is already so complicated, you know, choose one, support it, you know, see how it goes. Yes. Yeah, start there. Yes. Wise mm. advice. <laughs> 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 we do overcomplicate things sometimes and we want to get it all perfect right from the beginning, oh, but just curious and start somewhere and see where it takes you. Yeah, absolutely. And it can change. It doesn't mean you're making a lifelong commitment to that cause as well. Yes. You, know, you might might support it to a stage where it actually does grow and you can see, you know, things changing and moving and they're building new partnerships and then it might be time to, to then support something new. Mm. Well, before we start to finish, I'm wondering if you could maybe also share, because it sounds like you have a broad world view and <laughs> are an avid reader and learner so I'm curious who inspires you like, who inspires you to keep giving back and using your platform in this way and dreaming for others wow it's such a hard question <laughs> <laughs> well I can't make it too easy for you <laughs> I know I know I know to be honest I really can't like name a key individual even individuals like to me, my reason for giving back, you know, my reason for trying to make a difference, it, it comes back to 
it's something I've been exploring since I've got back actually and it keeps coming up and up and maybe there's a book in this I don't know but (laughs) um it's because of the position me personally I've been born into the you know my wonderful family and the life that I live here in Australia um and the experiences I've been, you know, privileged to have because of my my parents who were quite open-minded and encouraged me and my sister to travel from a very young age. I can't help but feel that I kind of have a duty to give back. It, it feels like it's my kind of moral code. Um, and, you know, going on projects like I recently did in Nepal and, and other um, immersive projects like that that I've been a part of, you know, through my days with Oxfam Australia and even, you know, when I was living in, in England only a year ago working for education organisation over there, it's each time I'm given the opportunity to to really connect at a real grassroots grassroots level with different people, different communities. Um, and that's where my inspiration comes from. I think it's... It's really just connecting with different people, whether it be here or abroad. Like you don't need to go far. Um, it could be at your local cafe. It could be walking the beach. Um, it's actually, yeah, the everyday person from from those conversations, you know. You know, teaching on, on the mat in, in my yoga studio and connecting with my students, you know, they're my inspiration. And just learning from each other, starting new conversations, you know, broadening the horizons and what we think is, you know, black and white and everything fits in a box. It's coming back to this idea of free thinking again. It's being open to to seeing and interpreting the world differently and acting respectfully and listening to different opinions and showing up compassionately as much as you can. It might not be the answer you're hoping for. <laughs> that is, that's, no, that was beautiful. I I love asking that question because, and you'd be surprised how many people, or I think most people I've spoken to haven't answered with specific people. Mm. It has been with people in their own life or uh, with community and the everyday person and with presence in, mm. in their life and with internal connection as well. So, mm. yeah, it's fascinating just yeah, to think absolutely. where people draw inspiration instead of how we have always used that word in the past to yeah so no you answered it beautifully oh thank you (laughs) and before we finish what's next what's next for you once you settle back into the land of of life after being on an adventure down from the himalayas (laughs) (laughs) next for me is really getting into the nitty-gritty of freethinker co and it's really growing it and building this this community, and I'd really like to to immerse into more grassroots sort of projects like the one I've done in Nepal recently. I kind of in my you know in my brainstorming, my vision boarding, I'd, I'd like to do one project like that a year. Um, so maybe starting to consider what what's on the horizon for next year when it comes to a grassroots project like that and. Yeah, I feel like there's maybe a book, (laughs) maybe a book. And it's more so reflecting on the process of, you know, change making and talking about responsibility and, you know, 
personal awareness, but also just general human awareness, just kind of more the the concepts and the theories around what we actually want and what we want to do and the guilt and the shame that sort of comes up for us when we're living these very privileged lives. If, you know, if you are listening and you live in Australia or New Zealand or elsewhere in the world, um, you know, really exploring some of, some of that stuff. Uh, so a lot of the contemplations you have after a, an epic soul-moving trip and you don't really know what to do with it. I think I want to do something with it. It's it's there and it's floating around and it's going to live in a string of posts on my site. But you know, I'd like it to to be more than that as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play with that for a bit. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you said book because it was on the it was on the tip of my tongue, asking if there was a book in there and. You know what? I, I'm sure we'll be in touch anyway, but I'm going to nag you about that down the track. Wow, please do. <laughs> be my accountability partner. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for making time to chat with me. And I just know that there are plenty of people out there listening who are going to find this so helpful if they're existing writings writers aspiring writers or just anybody out there in the community that want to want to do something for good um i know what you've said here will help so thank you thank you thank you thank you oh thank you so much Naomi. it's such a pleasure to be here and you know dream for others you know it's absolutely incredible you know you should be so proud of what you're doing and what you're creating Thank you. I'm actually really excited and and um, grateful because I get to talk to amazing people like you and wow. it's part of my job. I just get to chat to them and hit record and then <laughs> put it yeah. out there in the world. So I'm very, I'm very lucky. Thank you. Oh, and it's likewise, you know, everyone that's fortunate to come on here is so lucky to, to speak to you. <laughs> that's nice feel good standard. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Dream for Others podcast with Naomi Arnold. For episode notes, further inspiration, and access to my free resources, please visit naomiarnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, and share it with your friends or peers. Let's continue to dream for others, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.